Good morning, everyone. My name is Adam. We are so glad that you are joining us. We are in a series right now called Reset, and it's really all about making changes in our lives. We talked about a few weeks ago how if you are a Christian, change isn't just possible for your life. It's a necessary part of walking the Christian life. And we are called to go through a process of becoming more like Jesus in our attitudes and what we think about and in our behaviors and put off sin in our lives and put on the qualities that Jesus modeled in his life. And in a practical sense, this process of becoming more like Jesus is called sanctification. Here's kind of a picture of what that looks like. It begins when we place our faith in Jesus for salvation. And it's a process that should go on until the day that we are finally with God in heaven. And as you can see, there's some ups and downs in this process of becoming more like Jesus. We have the highs and we also have the low points. But what really matters the most is that overall we are making progress in the right direction and becoming more like Jesus. But maybe you could look at this and feel a little bit overwhelmed. Like becoming more like Jesus, that's pretty hard to do. And maybe you haven't been a Christian for very long and you're trying to figure out what that looks like and how to go about it. Maybe you've only read a little bit of the Bible and so then you don't know what the rest of the Bible has to say about what it takes to become more like Jesus. And even if you've been around church for a while and you know what the Bible says, maybe you're feeling really overwhelmed by just the amount of information and instructions in the Bible and I looked it up. There's actually 1,050 commands just in the New Testament. And I know for myself personally, if I had to just sit down and write down every command that I can think of from memory, I'd probably be lucky if I could come up with 50 of them. And so even just remembering everything that the Bible has to say is one thing, and then taking that and living it out is a whole other thing. And I'm sure that all of us here in this room would recognize we need to make changes in our lives in order to become more like Jesus. And I want to start things off with this question. If you could only change one thing this year, what would it be? Just one thing. I know for myself personally, I would want to make the change that would make the biggest impact in my life. I would want to focus on what is most important. And Jesus himself was asked what the most important command is in the entire Bible. Jesus was asked this question by a group of religious leaders, not because they wanted to change their hearts and become more like Jesus, but they were trying to get Jesus to stumble in his words and look like a false teacher. But the answer that Jesus gives is so profound. It can make an incredible difference in all of our lives if we take it seriously. And so let's go ahead and look in Matthew chapter 22 and in verse 37 to see how Jesus answers this question when he is asked, what is the greatest commandment in all of scripture? It's, we have it up here on this, the screen. In verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So boom, there it is. The greatest commandments of all time. Love God 
and love people. And in that last verse, Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, basically saying that this is the foundation for everything that the Old Testament says. And so if you can just nail these two things, then everything else kind of follows along. I think this is also true for the 1,050 commands in the New Testament. So love God, love people. Pretty simple, right? Or maybe not. I think that love is one of the most profound and yet misunderstood words of all time. It's the topic of most songs that you would hear on the radio. But if you just give mainstream radio a listen, you will hear about love, but it's a shallow version of love. And I think in today's culture, a lot of people have this idea that loving someone means that you will give them what they want and tell them what they want to hear, regardless of whether or not it's true or helpful. And then we have the question, well, is love a feeling or an action or both? And what does it mean to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind? And so in this morning's message, I just want to take the time to unpack what it looks like to love God and love other people. Now, let's just remember here that in Jesus talking about the greatest commandment, he's not just telling us what we need to hear today. But he's telling the religious leaders who are asking him that question just what they needed to hear in their lives. And these religious leaders that Jesus was talking to, uh, they love their religion more than they love God. These guys were experts in behavior modification. They would follow a bunch of rules, but in their rule following that they were pretty good at, They wouldn't love people because they let this pride escalate in their lives because of how good they were with rule following. So instead of loving other people, they were judging other people for their failures. And at the same time, they thought that they loved God, but they they didn't even recognize the very Son of God when Jesus was standing right there in front of them. It would be kind of like if somebody came up to me and told me that they're like best friends with my dad, but then this person mistreats me and tries to get me to look like a failure because they don't know that I'm my father's son. Like if that's the case, they're probably not as good of friends with my dad as they think they are. And that's kind of the idea that Jesus says in this verse in John chapter 8 and verse 42. Jesus was talking to a whole group of Jewish people, and he said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Jesus is basically saying, if you have a relationship with God the Father, if you really truly love God the Father, then you will love me as well. And all throughout the New Testament, we see so many examples of these religious leaders who thought that they loved God the Father, but they didn't love Jesus. And there's this story in the Bible that kind of illustrates this idea where a religious leader named Simon invites Jesus over to his house for dinner. And so Jesus comes over, and they're reclining at the table. And back in these times, their tables were like this high off the ground. And so they would lay on one elbow and use their other hand for eating food, and their feet would be stretched out behind them. And so Simon and Jesus are reclining at this table, and all of a sudden, this unexpected visitor just comes barging into Simon's home. 
And this is a woman who's known all throughout the town for her immoral lifestyle. She was known as a sinner. And she goes right to the feet of Jesus. Because remember, Jesus is kind of laying down. And she's standing over his feet. And she's just crying. And she's crying so hard, the tears are falling from her eyes and landing on Jesus' feet. And then she bends down and she uses her hair to wash Jesus' feet clean. How many of you are grossed out by feet? Quite a few of you. All right, get this. She then starts kissing Jesus' feet and she pulls out this perfume and she's dabbing this perfume on Jesus' feet. And the whole time that this is going on, Simon, the religious leader, is thinking, if Jesus was really a prophet, he would know that this woman is a sinner. And so in his mind, if Jesus knew that this woman was a sinner, he probably wouldn't even want to be around her in the same house. He probably wouldn't even want her to be all over his feet. And Simon just thought that thought. He didn't say anything out loud, but Jesus knew what he was thinking, and he turned this into a teachable moment for Simon. And so in this passage, Jesus answers him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, and so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time that I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So remember the question that I raised before. Is love a feeling or an action or both? And I think that in reading this passage, we cannot escape the fact that this sinful woman has incredible feelings of love for Jesus. And she demonstrates that in crying over his feet, using her hair to wipe his feet clean, kissing his feet, and pouring this oil on his feet. And she has this incredible love and passion for Jesus because Jesus has forgiven her many sins. And Jesus came to this earth to live the life that we could never live. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins that we deserve to pay so that if we believe in him, we can have forgiveness of our sins and have a relationship with God that begins in this life and lasts for all of eternity. And none of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve to have a relationship with God or to have forgiveness of our sins. And we can only have that through the grace of God and him extending this free gift to us. It's also by the mercy of God that he could withhold the punishment for our sin by putting that punishment on Jesus. And I think that, that love is a feeling that we can cultivate in our lives when we focus on what it is that Jesus has done for us, that he's made a way for us to be forgiven. He's given us mercy and grace in our lives and if we're not careful, 
even if we've been Christians for a long time, if we're not cultivating that love and that passion for Jesus, we can become more and more like Simon, who didn't really think that he needed the forgiveness of Jesus. I think about in my marriage, if I went up to Gabby one day and I told her that I don't have feelings of love for her anymore. I'm not really interested in spending time with her or getting to know her better. But I was like, don't worry. I will still be loving towards you. I'll still serve you, and I'll put your needs above my needs. And even if I went about things that way, I think our relationship would be a disaster. But how often do we approach our relationship with God where we think if we just do these external things for God, then that's a good enough demonstration of love and we're not cultivating a passion and a love for him. But is that all that love is? Is love just warm, fuzzy feelings that we feel towards Jesus? Jesus answers that question in John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus is basically saying that the proof of your love for me is in your actions. We can't really love Jesus, or at least our love for him is not authentic if, if we don't follow his teachings and obey his commandments. I think the gravity of this verse that, that Jesus is laying on us is, We can't just love Jesus the way that we want to love him. We need to love Jesus the way that he deserves to be loved, the way that he calls us to love him. And warm, fuzzy feelings isn't what makes it work. And uh, just a few weekends ago, Gabby and I scheduled out a cleaning day for our house. It was one of those days to get to the cleaning projects that normally we uh, get a little bit behind on. And Gabby and I are very different when it comes to our approach to cleaning. Gabby likes to start with the most important task and work her way down to the least important things. Where me, on the other hand, I am a deep organizer. And I go through so many rabbit trails of like, oh, if I'm organizing this, then I need to organize this, and I need to organize this. And things go through a process of getting more messy before it gets cleaner. And it drives Gabby crazy. And so... The night before our big cleaning day, she handed me a list of all the things that she wanted me to clean, and she's like, do not veer from this list. Basically, if I love my wife, I will stick to the list. Well, the morning of our big cleaning day arrived, and I spent the entire morning, even the early afternoon, doing everything except what was on that list. And I just figured, you know what? I'm set in my old ways. And I can give justifications for why my way of cleaning is so much better than her way of cleaning. And as you can imagine, Gabby was a little bit frustrated by that. And I, I would say I love my wife, but the way that I was going about things, my actions proved differently. My actions showed that I was more selfish than I was loving towards my wife. And so I, I think that our love for Jesus is authenticated by the way that we live our lives. But, but what does this look like for loving other people? How does God call us to love? And Jesus answers that question in a verse where he says, a new command I give you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we are called to love other people the way that God has loved us, which is a very high standard of love. God has showed us an unconditional love where he loved us at our very worst. Even when we were enemies of God and we were headed down a path leading to destruction, God loved us even in those moments. And that is so different than the kind of love that we see in the rest of the world. Most of the world just shows a conditional love. Or like if you are on your best behavior, then you can be treated with love. And I think all of us knows what it's like to have those moments where honestly we've been kind of unlovable. We've made it hard for people to love us. And maybe you've known that and you're thinking all along, I don't even deserve to be loved. And the way that other people are treating you just kind of confirms that idea that you're telling yourself. But Jesus' love is so unconditional, and, and Jesus gives a, a story that kind of paints a picture of God's love for us where he's compared to a shepherd and we're compared to sheep. And this parable is in Luke in chapter 15. And in verse 3, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. All of us here in this room, at one time or another, have been that one lost sheep where we've kind of gone down our own path. We didn't have a relationship with God. We didn't have freedom of sin in our lives. And if you have come to faith in Jesus, it's not just because you were seeking God and you finally found God, but it's because God was seeking you and he found you and he made a way for you to have a relationship with him because of his crazy love. What gets me in this passage is that the shepherd leaves the 99 good sheep in order to go looking for that one bad sheep. Talk about unconditional love. Like from a human perspective, if I was that shepherd, I'd be thinking, 99, one sheep, that's the troublemaker anyways. 99 is good enough, but not for God because he's cared about each and every one of us, even when we were lost and broken and we strayed away from him. And that is unconditional love. But what if we take this story of God's love and we kind of flip it on his head and say, all right, if we are called to love the way that God loves, and if that is the way that God has loved us, then what does this mean for loving other people? And I think this means showing unconditional love, loving the people who are honestly really hard to love. And maybe this person has wronged you time and time again, and you're almost looking at them through this colored vision of the wrongs that they've done in your life, and it's hard to love them the way that Jesus loved them. And loving somebody doesn't mean that you just give them what they want or you tell them what they want to hear regardless of whether or not it's true or helpful. 
My favorite definition of love is this one. Loving others is giving them what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. And so maybe this means coming alongside somebody, encouraging them, building them up, and helping them out in some way. But loving somebody could also mean coming alongside them and pointing them in the right direction if they are going astray. Sometimes that's the most loving thing that we can do is to not encourage somebody to go down a path that leads them in separation from God or distance in their relationship with God. And this is uh, so important for loving people. And I think another important thing in showing love to people is having a desire to see lost people come to faith in Jesus and experience a relationship with him. And the last part of that story that Jesus told, he said that the shepherd hosted a party when he found that lost sheep. And the lesson there is that he said that in heaven, there is more rejoicing over one sinner who repents and turns away from their sin than all the rest who are already in a relationship with God. And so that's why here at Bridgewater, we celebrate every time somebody turns to Jesus as their leader and forgiver. Because the things that are close to God's heart, we want to be the things that are close to our heart. And what if we treasured what God treasures most? What if we love God more than anything else in this world, more than any earthly relationship, more than our comfort, more than our pleasure, more than anything else, to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind? And what if we loved our neighbors as we love ourselves and put their needs above our own, love them unconditionally even when they don't deserve it, and have a desire to see lost people come to faith in Jesus. And I really do believe that if we can focus on loving God and loving other people, then we can take incredible steps towards becoming more like Jesus in our thoughts, in our attitudes, and in our behaviors. And we can be the men and women that God has called us to be. And so as we wrap things up this morning, I just want to leave us with two application questions. The first one is, what do I need to remove so that I can love God and love others better? If you have a pen and paper, I encourage you to get that out. Or if you have your phone, you can open up to the notes app. And just take some time to reflect on this question and some practical steps for loving God and loving other people better. Now, I'll be totally honest with you. Yesterday, I was still working on this message. And there was a time yesterday where I had a little bit of a rough conversation with Gabby where I hurt her feelings, and then I had a meeting with somebody. So I kind of left things unresolved and went to this meeting. And I came home, and I'm like, all right, I got to get back to writing this message on loving people. I was like, I cannot write a message on loving people until I make things right with my wife. And so for me, if I'm answering this question personally, it's that heart attitude and not going to the point of giving somebody what they need the most when they deserve it the least a great personal cost. And we'll move on to the next question here is, what do I need to add so that I can love God and others better? For me personally, for a while now, I've been praying the prayer that God would help me to love him more and more each and every day, to love him with all my heart, soul, and mind. 
And that's a prayer that I've just been leaning into lately and cultivating that relationship with God by reflecting on his mercy and his grace that he has shown me in my life so that then I can turn around and show that love to other people. And my challenge for you this morning, if you wrote something down, if you were thinking about it, is that you would have a conversation with somebody today about your answer to those questions Just to have that significant conversation with somebody else, to be thinking about how you can live this out in your life and get that encouragement or that accountability that you need to put it into action. And I really do believe that if we follow this through, that we can become more like Jesus for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the incredible love that you have showed us. I thank you that your love for us was not conditioned on our behavior. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Christ became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. God, I thank you that that broken and sinful people like us can have a relationship with you. That we are made pure in your sight because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I thank you that we can have forgiveness because of Jesus. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I just ask that we'd be so overwhelmed by your love for us that we can't help but love you back. And I ask that we would cultivate that feeling of love, that passion for you. And I ask that that would take the form of serving you and living lives of obedience for you. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I know that all of us here in this room probably have at least that one person in our lives that is really hard to love. Please help us to remember that you love that person. And help us to give that person what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. And I ask that in doing that, they would see your love through us. I ask that you would do a work in all of our hearts to make us more like Jesus. I just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.